All right, so here we are. We come to the end. It's been 12 long years. Well, I shouldn't say long, but it's been good 12 years. And um, this is a, this is a, honestly, I want to preface the, the reading of the scripture here this morning. Um, and by the way, while I'm talking, you can either turn in your bulletin or you can, uh, if you have your Bible with you, you can turn to Numbers chapter 6. Or if you don't have a Bible uh, with you, there should be one in the pew. Turn to the fourth book of the Old Testament. So it's Genesis, Exodus, uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. And I'm going to read from Numbers chapter 6, and I want to read um, verse 22 through 27, which is, um, it's, it's a passage that, if you've been attending worship here for any amount of time, should be very, very familiar uh, to you. It's a passage that contains what is called the Aaronic Benediction, or the parting blessing of the Lord. And I think it's a very appropriate uh, passage to consider together as, um, as we, we come to our, uh, the end of our time uh, together, because it's, it's a, a passage where we find a, a, a pronouncement of God of blessing toward us. Joy and I need blessing as we depart in about a month, and you need a blessing as well. Now, one very quick thing also before we look at this uh, brief scripture reading. This is, a, this is an odd time in a way because of the, the issue of COVID, you know, and we've Joy and I have shared this with you. It's, it's taken a number of months to consider this call, uh, much longer than is normally expected. And so this is, in a sense, has been, quote, unquote, kind of dragging on for some time. And then we come to, come to the end of the service, and I will be concluding my pastoral work here in preaching for this Sunday. But Joy and I will continue to worship with you through the month of July as we do vote full-time to working through immigration matters, and other things to prepare for our trip. So it feels like the end, and then yet it doesn't feel like the end. But we're just going to view it's the end in terms of the official ministry here. And again, a very appropriate passage that we're going to consider here this morning. So Numbers chapter 6, I want to begin reading at verse 22, where we read, The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, Thus you shall bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So shall they put my name upon the people of Israel, and I will bless them. And you notice, you know, you don't usually catch this when you're just listening to the reading, but you kind of catch it if you pay close attention with your eye to the very words on the page. Because if you do that, you notice that the word bless is used three times. A very significant word in the Bible, much more significant than many of us really realize, and we're going to kind of unpack that, that word blessing in the context of this parting blessing of the Lord for us um, this morning. Now, what I want to do um, now is... I want to begin somewhat, maybe of a, a bit of a strange way, but you'll see how it connects to our, our passage. A number of us here this morning are maybe familiar with the name Leonard Nimoy. Um, Leonard Nimoy was a man who was an actor. He died about, uh, he died in 2015, so not so long ago, and he's most well known for the portrayal of 
Spock, right, in the Star Trek TV series as well as movie series. And in that series, on a number of occasions, what, what Leonard Nimoy does in, in the uh, role of Spock is you, if you're a Trekkie, someone, he goes like this, right? And then he utters the words, live long and prosper, right? And it's very interesting that this hand signal, and I'm going to explain the significance of it in just a moment. This hand signal is universally known as the Spock gesture of live long and prosper. And a lot of people throughout the years, if they've been Star Trek fans, have been wondering, where did he get that from? I mean, did the producers just make that up? Or did Nimoy, is he drawing upon something for that? And, and here's very quickly, and it's gonna, it, it actually gets with the passage that we're dealing with here this morning, and that is Leonard Nimoy grew up as, as, uh, in, the, in Judaism, and he remembers how his grandfather used to take him to the Jewish synagogue for worship services, and at the end of the worship services, what would happen is that the person leading the worship service, I can't do it with my left hand as well, but the, the, he would raise both hands, and if you go online, and look at what's called the Aaronic Benediction within Judaism, sometimes you'll find this engraving of just two hands like, like this as the benediction or the Aaronic Benediction is, is pronounced. And you go, well, you know, many times you and I receive that benediction. In fact, I was thinking about this, that over the past 12 years you have heard that Aaronic Benediction at the end of our worship services. And by the way, if, if you're visiting from another church, maybe, maybe your pastor does this, maybe he doesn't, but it's actually historic Christian practice goes back a number of years. But normally, I'll get up like this, and you've heard this 100 times, probably closer to 200, 300 times, and I, I don't do this, but you just get the raised hands, okay? But, but what's the significance of this within Judaism? Okay, because this, the Aaronic benediction was originally pronounced upon the Jewish people, really our ancestors in the faith. And really, if you study the Hebrew language, the first thing you study is the alphabet, anytime you study another language. So even, even children, when you go to school, maybe you remember this in kindergarten, what the teacher, at least in my day, what the teacher would do is they would put a long strip with letters. And it was usually that, remember this was a, in, the, in the small room that you're at and it was posted all along the wall. And what did it contain? It contained the, al the, the English alphabet, big A, small A, big B, small B, and so on. You're learning, the, you're learning the language. You're learning how to spell. Well, same thing when, you, when you're in seminary. You study the Greek language, study the Hebrew language. And this is a symbol of the Hebrew um, uh, letter shin. So it looks kind of, when you're, when, you're studying, um, in, when you're studying the Hebrew, what you find is that that, that, uh, that letter looks like a W and has a little dot here, and it produces an SH sound. And in Judaism, it is a symbol for a number of things. The SH sound, like El Shaddai, one of the names of God, God Almighty, or Shekinah, or Shekinah, which if you've been raised in the Christian faith, you will know at the end of the book of Numbers, the Shekinah was the glory cloud of the Lord that came down upon the tabernacle, hovered over it, and then also came inside of it. And then finally, it can also represent the shin sign, um, the uh, word shalom, which is actually the final word, and the whole blessing that we're dealing with this morning is leading to that point of shalom, which is our English peace. 
The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you what? Give you peace. This morning I want to leave you with peace, with the blessing of the Lord. Because you need it, Joy and I need it as we go on to a new work. And this blessing is not, it is not a wishful it is not a, a wishful pronouncement. May that be for you. It is a divine pronouncement, a pronouncement that comes from God himself. Very significant. So I want to consider that ironic benediction with you. Now, actually, when you consider the text here before us this morning, what you, what you, what you see before you does not look all that significant. Does not look all that noteworthy. But actually, when you look at it from the standpoint of the original language, the Hebrew language, a number of things jump out. And what you see especially, you, f- you feel it in the English language, but you especially feel it in the, in, in the Hebrew language, that there is a certain progression that goes on here in this text. It's like, if you can imagine that you're on a lake and a boat goes by maybe 20 yards out, what happens? It creates a bit of a wake, and then if you're patient, you just sit on the shore, and it kind of builds, and it kind of builds, and builds, and finally it just comes uh, gently upon the shore. When you think of the ironic benediction, think of that. It's interesting what goes on, as I said, in the original language. There's a, there's a lot, the logical literary progression here. For instance, in terms of the wording, stick with verse 24, 25, and 26, which constitutes the benediction itself. There are three words, actually, in the Hebrew language in verse 24, five words in verse 25, and seven words in verse 26. Three, five, seven. There's also a progression in syllables. Verse 24 has 12 syllables. Verse 25 has 14 syllables. And verse 26 has 16 syllables. There's also progression of consonants. Verse 24 has 15 consonants. Verse 25 has 20 consonants. And verse 26 has 25 consonants. So when you, when you listen to that, you have groups of three or groups of five or groups of seven. There's, again, think of this wave that builds and builds and it finally comes upon the shore. And, and you get a feeling for that even when you listen to it in the English language. Listen to it. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you, and here's the wave coming upon the shore, give you peace. You know, this, this, this blessing is not something that some human writer just put together and these things happen to come in place in the original language. This is, this is an indication of the inspired word of God, that God himself, through his human writer, through Moses, is, is, is having this logical and literary blessing just placed upon his people. It's, it's something beautiful. And the beauty of it rests in the, in the frequency of that word blessing, which is an extremely... Rich, rich word. You know, um, the, the word blessing is a, uh, it's, 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 it's a word that is not only rich, but it's a word that marks us off as Christians, doesn't it? 
I mean, if you, if, you, if you are at a coffee shop and let's say you have three women who are together and, and, they're, and they're talking you know, loud enough where you can hear them, where, you're not have to, where you don't have to eavesdrop, and they're talking, at one point the woman will say, oh, this, this happened, and, and I, just, I just feel so blessed. And it's like, oh, yeah, you're a Christian, right? I get that. You don't find secular people, non-church people, typically using the word blessing. Like, oh, yeah, I really went through a difficult time, but then, you know, things started to work out and felt pretty lucky. Man, really, man, really felt so blessed. You don't hear that. Blessing is a Christian term. And yet, how many Christians understand the richness of the word blessing, used not only here in the Bible, but through, through many other places? Blessing. What comes to mind, your mind, when you think of Blessing, because that's what God is pronouncing upon us this morning. One writer writes this, a historian and missiologist. He writes, the word blessing is a life-affirming word with rich resonances. The word implies a reversal of the curse of sin and the restoration of the entire creation on one hand, but also harmony with God and others on the other hand. Additionally, those who are blessed are called to be a blessing to others. So at the end of the service, when the pronouncement of blessing is placed upon you, that that blessing is not only a life-affirming word of God to you, but his intent is that that life-affirming word to you be the catalyst through you of life for others around you. Now, I'm not just saying that because that's a nice thing to say. When we sang Psalm 67 before the sermon, which was intentionally chosen, The psalmist says this, Lord, bless us and keep us and make your face shine upon us so that your way may be known on the earth and your saving power among the nations. There are a number of occasions, not every week, but where I've raised my hands, I say, receive the blessing of God. And as you are blessed, be a blessing to others. This has been an emphasis while I have been here. And I wanted that to be an emphasis while, while I'm here. It's not just because, well, it's Phil Grotenheis, and that's kind of in him, and he likes that. No, it's, it's a directive of the word of God itself. Be blessed in order that you may be a blessing to others. Okay? A beautiful word. You know, um, many of us are familiar with the name John Piper, famous uh, Baptist preacher and, and theologian. And as the story goes, I may have shared this once or twice before, but when, when John Piper's kids were young, I don't know if you've ever heard, maybe you have, but he would go into his children's bedroom at night when his kids are really small. And for those of you who are going to, moms who are pregnant, you're going to have kids, or if your kids are still young, I want you to think about this. He would go to his children's bedroom, and, and, and he would, before they would go, he tucked them in, and then he would put his hand on their head, And he would say, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you his peace. What a great way to go to bed, isn't it? Beautiful, tender. A lot better than what happened to my grandfather, who is a pastor for many years in a very conservative church, where at the end of the service, he got up, He raised his hands to pronounce the benediction, and he said, Congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord bless you and curse you. (laughs) He told me that when I was a kid. I thought, I can't believe this. You know, it would be horrible. 
not a blessing or not a curse upon you, but the blessing of the Lord, the blessing. Let me ask you this. At the end of a service, has the blessing been something that has been particularly meaningful and beautiful to you? There was a friend who shared when he was young, his, remember his mother saying when they were going through difficult financial times and didn't know where they were going to get the money for the next month's rent. And they would go to worship and the mother was particularly filled with anxiety on a few Sundays. And she said, you know, I don't remember what the preacher said. I don't know in terms of his sermon. But all I remember is that when he raised his hands and pronounced the blessing of God, that that made everything okay. That I knew that I was leaving the worship service with the shroud or the umbrella of the grace and the blessing of God himself. And I think some of the beauty of this blessing that we find before us is the reference on two separate occasions to the face of God. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face. It says, it says in our English translation, Lord lift up his countenance. Literally, it's the Lord lift up, nasa, lift up his, not countenance, but his face. Two separate times the word face is used here. I think it's a significant thing. What better way to express the blessing of God than by considering the face of God. When I raise my hands at the end of the service, what are you focusing on? Most of all, you're not focusing on my face. You're focusing on the raised hands. But the focus of the blessing here is not on raised hands, but a raised face, a lifted up face. Think about the face. The face is the most expressive part of who we are, isn't it? Imagine if Pastor Mike, who led the beginning of the worship service, and now me, imagine just looking up and not seeing a face. Imagine if you could just seeing this kind of skin you see in my forehead go all the way down. You don't see my eyes. You don't see my mouth. You don't see my nose, ears, anything. Everything that constitutes the face. It would be a very strange and deadening experience, would it not? God created us with faces that are meant to express a number of different emotions and dispositions. I didn't know this until later and after having raised three daughters that what is of particular interest to women when they are younger and getting to know a guy is his face. You know the body may be so-so but man if he's got a nice face you can go a long way with that. I remember my daughter Erin saying of her husband Jason she said you know when I look in that I look at that face, I could look at that for a lot of years. Boom, they get married, you know? The face. Women also like long flowing hair on guys sometimes. I realize that as well. It's a little wild in them, you know? But, you know what? Just always remember this young women, the guys tend to lose their hair over time. And their faces do change, right? Okay, now. But the face of God. It is, when you look at this face, it's, it's not a face of rejection. It's a shining face. 
And the face of God, it's not looking down. It's doing two things. It's looking up and it's shining. Don't forget that. When you hear the benediction, think about the shining of God's face. Think about the lifting up of God's face. It's a beautiful, beautiful image. And the shining of God's face and the culmination of his blessing, as I said earlier, builds and builds until we find that word peace, which in the Hebrew is, you've heard that word many times from this pulpit, shalom. And shalom is more than just an absence of conflict. But what it is, more positively, it's an expression of life-affirming love and God's desire for our health and our peace and our joy and our contentment. Everything good, we would say. Everything good. And all of this, brothers and sisters, listen, all of this is found within the heart of God. Not just in the hands that you see here, but ultimately it's in the heart of God, which... Which, by the way, is an amazing thing given our ancestors' disposition. We find this passage in the book of Numbers. And when you look at the book of Numbers, if you know anything about the book of Numbers, you know that it records the wilderness wanderings of the people of God, our ancestors, as they left Egypt on the way to the promised land. And if you know anything about their wilderness wanderings, it wasn't a great time. There was a lot of dishonesty, there were a lot of sins, there was unfaithfulness, there was grumbling, complaining, insurrections, all of that, as well as in this book we find constantly the intercessions of Moses as the leader of God's people, Moses being the mediator between the people of God and God himself. And always, always, it seems like Moses is crying out to the Lord, Lord, despite the sins of your people, oh God, be patient, oh God, spare your people, because God is ready to rain down judgment on his people, and rightly so. Yet Moses, as mediator, appeals to the very heart of God. And instead of this judgment, God puts on his people his very love and his blessing. The very final thing that we read in this blessing is verse 27. So they shall put my name upon the people of Israel, and I will bless them. I will bless them. Here it is, Father's Day today. And how many times... Haven't we as fathers where kids just happen to, when they're, especially when they're younger or teenage years, you know, they, they get up on the wrong side of the bed and, oh, we are tested. And we are, we are tested not only in terms of our reserves and our patience, but our love. But I trust our kids have never come home from a rough day or a rough night, even if it's three in the morning. Hopefully they never come home and they sense, Dad, he has gotten to the breaking point and he doesn't love me anymore. A good Christian father always loves his children. Pained sometimes, joyful others, but always loving. Always loving. And that's what we see from our God here. God says, listen, despite everything that my people have done, that's serious, but I want my name to be upon my people and I will bless them. Because if I don't bless them, they have nothing. 
Listen, um, as we draw to a close here, I don't want to make this overlay long because there's other things we're going to do here this morning. You know, the same thing could be said um, about us. We're, we're not so different from those who have gone on before us. We can be pretty disappointing. Um, I have not been a perfect pastor. I, I look back and I see I've said things or done things I shouldn't have done or said. Um, Pastor Michael would be the first to say the same thing, too. And I, we have disappointed you. And that goes with the territory because there's only one who's never disappointed, and that is Jesus. So that's a consideration. Um, and you, too, you know, you have, you, too, have not always been perfect. We have been imperfect together. And I want to do, I want to say this, and I want you to take it in a spirit of love. But in love, I want to say that I am concerned for some of you, not many, but some. And there are some, maybe not even here, who haven't been here for quite some time. And I want to say, if you're listening online, I'm concerned about you as well. I'm concerned that you started well, but you're not ending well. And I would like, as I often thought in terms of my own kids, I, I want to believe that everybody that I'm seeing right now will, that all of us together will be rejoicing in glory one day. And, and that means if you need to repent, you need to repent. And you need to come back to the Lord. And I think I would be remiss if I didn't say that. Some of us, I know, struggle with pride and presumption. And I will also say this. Some of us, I think, know how to play a good game. We know what a religious exterior looks like, but I'm concerned what's on the inside. Okay? So let this be a day that we search our hearts. But I also want to say this. On the whole, it has been a beautiful, beautiful joy to serve you. And there was a very poignant moment last Sunday night when Pastor Michael was standing up here and he was administering the sacrament. And the piano started playing, and I happened to be kind of right where, you know, some of you are sitting in a few rows. And, and because I was in the front row, you know, we start coming down the aisle. And I like that. You come down the aisle, and I took it, and I went back to my seat. And I thought about the sacrament, but I also thought about you. And I saw you coming down in single file, quietly, respectfully, and you took your bread and you took your wine, you started going back to your seat, and that line just kept coming. And I thought of glory, where I wondered, you know, at the marriage feast of the Lamb, if we're going to just see people on a regular basis who've died and gone to be with the Lord, they're just coming one by one to the marriage feast of the Lamb, and there's this celebration, and there is joy. And as I was watching that, I just thought to myself, you know, those bought by the blood of Jesus, imperfect at best, but still coming to the table. And I thought that was a beautiful moment. And I thought to myself, those are my peeps. Those are my peeps. You know, those are my people. And I thought, no, they're ultimately the people of the Lord who've been bought with the blood of Jesus. And I have the privilege of pastoring them. And I just thought that was a beautiful moment. So, brothers and sisters, it is God's desire to bless. As the great B.B. Warfield put it many years ago, it's God's desire to bless us. 
in our sin, yes, but also out of our sin and bless us to the very end. And why is that? Why does he desire to bless? It's because his face is ultimately a face of love, as we see here. A face that was actually at one point turned away from his son Jesus while he was on the cross, so that in turn, as we find ourselves in Christ, that face may shine upon us, darkened toward Jesus, shining toward us. So we all need the blessing of the Lord. Joy and I need that blessing as we leave you in about a month to take on a new work. You need that blessing as you start a new stage of ministry and as you start looking for another pastor. And so as we part ways, may our collective cry be, very simply, Lord, bless us and keep us and make your face shine upon us. Indeed, may we be so bold as that great wrestler Jacob in the book of Genesis who clung to the angel and said, you know, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. May that kind of tenacity and desire be in each and every one of our hearts. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, what a beautiful passage, and one that reminds us that we are a people upon whom your face shines, and a people who you love, to bless. Father, we need that blessing for our sakes in the coming months and years, but also for the sake of others around us in this world and in this city. So God, do bless us, we pray, and we trust that you will, for the blessing comes to us in and through our Savior, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.